Hello, hello. What's up? Welcome to Tea for Lunch, a weekly show powered by Arcade. Each week we'll serve you the top stories you need to know or that we're following in social media, celebrity, and tech in 15 minutes or less, maybe more. You can catch the show live on Instagram on Thursdays at around 12-ish Mountain Standard Time or on podcasts and YouTube on Fridays. We're your hosts this week, Mike and Harrison. What's good? Man, chilling, enjoying the weather. It's warmer here today by like a fair margin. And I'm just excited to, you know, get different spring outfits rolling out. Nice. Ditch the winter boots for some sneakers and, you know, just kind of enjoy a bit more of the closet. Yeah, we're going to hit yeah. double digits today. Celsius, Absolutely. Which is pretty special. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like my fits don't haven't changed that much so far with the weather getting warmer. But I also got some like Gore-Tex Solomon shoes this this winter, the XT6. Yeah. And I feel like it works great for when it's really cold, like it was a few weeks ago. But also for when it's like this and it gets slushy and totally. wet outside. They're like all seasons. So, yeah, they're just... Yeah. They're just so versatile. Exactly. Got to get yourself in some Gore-Tex. Yeah, especially like the Solomon shoes. Like they're just so comfy and yes. there's so many different colorways and, and styles. And so grippy, so it works on ice too. Totally. Although I have, the last week or so, I've almost eaten it on ice. That was me times. today. Yeah. I, I got real confident with it being nicer out today that I forgot about all the ice and I like slipped almost like five yeah. times on the way here and I was like, mm. I feel like the slickest ice is is that ice where it's like it was frozen and then now it's like just above zero and now it's got a bit of like wetness to the ice on top. Totally. It's got that glaze on it. Yeah. That's deadly. Yeah. Especially when it comes to like the driveways where the oh, sidewalk yeah. like kind you of just slide all the way down. Yeah. yeah. I'm just going to start having to like carry a grappling hook with me and like start like tethering <laughs> to the top of the building, walking on an incline. Yeah. The other morning I was like hauling a bunch of our kids' bags out to the car before we took them to daycare. And my son, he's a year and a half. He was like watching me at the door because he always likes to be involved in that kind of stuff. And I slipped on ice, caught myself just barely, gathered myself, looked at him at the door, and then slipped again <laughs> and almost just like slammed my face no. on the concrete. But I caught myself again. Oh, but it, yeah. to him, I'm sure it just looked like I was dancing for some reason. <laughs> but, and you and you feel so confident after you slip the first time, like you're like, yeah. hey, I'm good. And then oh, you I do it again, it. you're I like, I, I know nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Unpredictable. Yeah. Anyways, a couple of Berta boys just talking about snow and ice. Classic stuff. You know Goodness how it gracious. is. Do you want to um, take us into the sip? Absolutely. All right. This is your weekly rundown of the top stories happening in social media. So first, Instagram's flip side has rolled out and users are able to experiment with a Finsta-like feed. Uh, Instagram is also testing out note prompts, which is a feature that increasingly is popular with teens and Gen Z. Um, and you can also now add polls to IG feed posts and reels, which I think is really cool. Allows them to be a bit more interactive. Over on WhatsApp, they are testing an airdrop-like feature. Um, moving over to X, X is tech testing a dedicated video tab as they continue to try and take on YouTube as a competitor. And TikTok has added new cutout tools that allow you to change your background. Quick thoughts. What are you feeling? There's a lot yeah. in, in social media this week. Yeah, I mean, I don't really know. I guess some sort of airdrop tool on WhatsApp would be useful for a lot of people. Um, my dad was literally just asking me like a few weeks ago if, hey, can I put 
pull stickers on reels, and I don't think you could at the time, but now you can. So I'm gonna have to bring that one back to him. Yeah, he manifested it. I know exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but the thing that sticks out to me the most is flip side. I feel like I just haven't. It seems like it's useful, um, and we know that it is because lots of people have just historically had Finsta accounts, mm-hmm. which is a fake Insta account for those that don't know. But um, yeah, what are you thinking about that? Are you using it? Yeah, I. So I make music and on my music account I've set up a flip side because it allows me to share some more work in progress type things that I'm working on, whether it's like songs or, you know, like shows I'm trying to work out and stuff like that. And it allows me to like share it with a small group of people who, you know, are kind of like a wise counsel that I trust a bit more than, you know, like maybe the general public. So I see it as like it's a tool to kind of allow you and your circle to like get group feedback, try new things, experiment a little bit. Like I think of brands using it in a way of like lining up different carousel posts or like a, maybe like a fashion company is doing like a lookbook layout of like nine images and they're trying to play around with like the way it looks. So they're like asking maybe some of like their diehard fans and stuff like what they think. I think it's a way just to bring people in um, both on like a personal level of like you know only sharing memes and stuff with your close friends or also like businesses being able to like bring people in and 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 just kind of like get foot to pavement feedback on mm-hmm. stuff yeah. interesting yeah I think it it's super it, it gets my curiosity going I feel like it could be useful I feel like it's the definition of less is more in a way like um, but less less in more of the context of like, um, less polished, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. like earlier in the process, like bring me in as a diehard fan or just like a good friend or whatever it might be. I feel like Morgan was talking earlier when we were discussing this that um, it's kind of what we all wanted broadcast channels to be on Instagram, where broadcast channels you can't talk back to the broadcaster. Yeah. It's just like you get content in the feed and you can like react to it, but you can't have a conversation. And we all know as marketers that conversation is so key for building community and um, developing a relationship with um, customers or audiences online. So yeah, I think it's interesting. I like the BTS approach. I feel like the mistake here would be if creators or brands kind of use this as a instead of for like a Mm. Patreon kind of relationship where um, people are asking for more and better content, like almost like bonus access, um, because that should be paid, I think. But this, I like what your your take on it, where it's like less polished, more process, more experimentation, and just people that want access or even have an opinion because they yeah. care about your brand or your your creative yeah, so much. Exactly. Yeah. Like going back to like like the fashion house example too, like a brand adding other brands to their flip side and being like, "Hey, I just got these samples in. What do you guys think? Have you used this supplier? Or like whatever, you know, yeah. just kind of like treating it almost as like a group chat." where it's centered around the content that you post instead of like the messages you send to a group chat, which I think, you know, I don't know. I think there's a really cool future for just kind of, you know, that that thing that was in our trend report where it's just like kind of like having like closer communication and more like private communication yeah, and like stuff like that. Communities. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And and I think businesses using this kind of thing for something like that is like it's a way to just kind of hone in on the right ideas and get good feedback and kind of have like this two-way street communication with maybe people who they just like value their ideas really highly. Yeah, one thing I'm not clear on, I assume that whoever creates the flip side can just pick whoever out of their followers to be part of it, to be able to see it. So I kind of feel like since there's not an opt-in from people, 
we may f- see this wave early on of like everyone being added to so many flip sides, you know. Um, especially if like brands try to jump into the mix quickly, totally. So there's there there will probably be kind of like a regression too, where people are like, I'm on too many people's flip sides yeah. in addition to their like front facing accounts, and I need to get out of them. So tailor it see, down a little bit. You might yeah. see people like just bowing out quietly from the, certain ones, but the awkward feeling when you run into someone that you haven't seen in a bit, and you were like, oh. They were on my flip side a couple of months ago, and they're not now. And they don't it's know like, what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's kind of like the maybe the awkwardness of the unfollow. Some people care, some people don't. But it's adding um, a whole new level to it now. Yeah. So yeah. you got to maybe give some thought to like, is this actually an engaged customer, or is this actually a close friend? And if not, then like maybe I don't add them. Maybe there's some like unspoken ethics there or something. Yeah. Or not ethics, like etiquette. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Like I have like ten people on mine, and I don't really think I'm gonna add any more than that. It's just like. It's the That's people that cool. I talk to normally are like artists who I'm like, hey, I appreciate your vision. We mutually have worked together or whatever. And it's just kind of like, okay, I trust you guys with yeah. this information or these ideas. And it, it won't really like expand beyond that. But yeah, that's an interesting point, too. I feel like we should move on. But what a, what that says to me is like, if there's just 10, then like if I'm one of the 10, I'm like kind of honored that I'm one of the 10. Yeah, exactly. So you also got to think about as a brand or a creator or an individual, like, that there's a bit of a strategy here with is it a volume play or is it more of like a niche like curated play yeah. and also people are going to ha- feel a certain way about it based on your decision totally you know? but anyways well should we jump into the lead stories let's do it all right well, what we got going it. So um, for our first story, Super Bowl commercials are starting to roll out and there are already some audience favorites. This year's Super Bowl will be on Sunday, February 11th, which is coming up. First, we got the Pro Bowl, but it's going to be between the Kansas City Chiefs and the San Francisco 49ers. So it's the Super Bowl Taylor's version, as we all know. There have already been some related ads rolling out. Some, I think some of the big ones, the one that popped out at me first was Uber Eats Engage Victoria and David Beckham. If any of you have seen the Beckham documentary, there's kind of this like iconic scene where Victoria Beckham is talking about how she like grew up in this like lower middle class family and then David Beckham's like leaning out of the next be room and be like, be honest, yeah. <laughs> You you grew up going to school in a Rolls Royce, basically, and uh, so that's a, this commercial is a spoof on that with Uber Eats, um, and ho- I think they're going to try and recreate that viral moment. And then, of course, Chris Jenner for Oreos, where back in time she uses a twist of an Oreo to decide the fate of the Kardashians being on TV. We got Pluto, who had kind of a disturbing ad where audience members are farmed as couch potatoes. Question mark. It's very like David Lynchian yeah. a little bit. <laughs> but um, the one I wanted to touch on for this story most is uh, aside from the regular ads, DoorDash is going to be using its 30 second ad in the Super Bowl to reveal how to win every item advertised in a nationally broadcast spot during the Super Bowl. So that means the brand is dashing one lucky person, everything from a 2024 BMW i5 all electric, that's a mouthful, Sheesh. a 2024 Kia EV9, which like there's three vehicles here. There's also a Volkswagen, so you're gonna have to get a bigger garage. But there's also a, a pallet of Reese's peanut butter cups, Need a thousand wings from Popeyes, rolled out at your discretion or your timing, and dozens more supersized prizes. And to just ice the cake, the brand's tossing in a thirty pound jug of mayonnaise because, of course, we need that. 
But it's all part of DoorDash's calculated push to persuade consumers that DoorDash can be your door to more. I think they're trying to make it less about just convenience shopping or like takeout food and more about um, this is a platform that you can access like the lifestyle you want and the things you want at your fingertips with ease. So um, I like it. I like the play. One thing interesting to note as creatives too is that because they're trying to encompass everything that is in a Super Bowl ad spot, they had to find a way to shoot the commercial itself in a way that they could edit on the fly as new Super Bowl spots are added. So they chose to go the CGI route in producing their actual commercial. And uh, I think if you watch the teaser, you can kind of see how it could feel like it's adaptable and might change as as time goes on. Mm -hmm. What do you think? Wow. Big shoes to fill for DoorDash for sure. I think this is a pretty colossal approach to a Super Bowl ad. But I mean, I like it. I think it's fun. I think it's so over the top and maximalist where it's like it makes it fun and entertaining. You know, like you want to be involved because you're like three cars, a jug of mayonnaise. (laughs) I know. You know, maximalist is a good way to put it. Yeah. Like it's, it's, uh, yeah. And I, and I think it's cool. Like you just have access to win so many different things, or one person wins all these things. And it's also cool to see DoorDash kind of take the route of Postmates a little bit, which we've also kind of noticed from like Uber Eats adding like shops like Sephora and stuff like that. Just kind of seeing this expansion of like being able to acquire more through one place. Like I I think takeout's all fine and dandy. That's awesome. But, you know, like thousands and thousands of Popeye's chicken wings, it's like... You know, that's yeah. It's like these platforms are almost becoming your virtual assistant. Like the only thing they won't do is answer your emails. Yeah, I feel like they'd pick up your mail. You know, maybe they'd do your laundry, all that kind of stuff. I feel like if if we were to go down that route, I feel like the same virtual assistant that's delivering me tens of thousands of Popeyes chicken wings. I don't know if that's the same virtual assistant I want answering all my emails because they'll probably just all be about chicken wings. Yeah, just focus on bringing me the wings and the right sauce. We're good. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I like it. I think it's uh, it's interesting. I think it achieves the brief, you know, if they're totally. trying to expand like what they're known for and the way people visualize them. And I like that it kind of, it just feels like it's bringing... Part half the experience is almost like off platform. Like you obviously watch the spot, but it's not so much about the spot as it is about someone getting all this stuff. You totally, know? yeah. And uh, what comes after? So, and I like the CGI thing. I wanted to point out because I think that's really interesting. It's cool. It keeps the ad adaptable, especially for you know, like whoever is behind yeah. making those on the fly edits. Like they're just setting themselves up for success with like any revisions that come in and stuff like that. Just having yeah. like a you know, like a CGI laptop that you can green screen like any logo onto or whatever that kind of thing. It's yeah, just, and it yeah. also just kind of like feels like a bit of a nod to this whole like metaverse narrative that's mm-hmm. been going on. And I've also just seen a lot of really cool like CGI kind of 3D social content from different brands too. So I feel like it's just kind of an extension of that. Yeah. Continuing that on. But it's wicked. Shout out DoorDash. Yeah. That's cool. Uh next up, after failed negotiations between TikTok and Universal Music Group, Universal has announced that it will withdraw its music from the app as of today, February 1st, right now. The move, yeah, at this very moment. We're watching all of our favorite songs disappear from TikTok. Everyone's content is muted. Exactly. The move could have a huge, huge impact on TikTok and users considering how important music is to the app. Uh, Universal is home to some of the biggest music stars, including Taylor Swift, Adele, Drake, Billie Eilish. 
Uh, TikTok apparently offered less than Universal was looking for for both compensation for its artists and safeguards about generative AI usages. Uh, Universal's current rights agreement with TikTok was signed in 2021 and ended on January 31st, yesterday, allowing the company to withdraw all of their content. It's kind of the usual music industry chicken and the egg story with TikTok saying they gave Universal free promotion and Universal saying that TikTok hurts vulnerable artists and undervalues music. And I I don't know, you can probably tell from my tone already, I have a lot of thoughts about this, Mike. Hit us with it. All right. I think, you know, in, in terms of just kind of that last point there, like Universal saying that TikTok hurts vulnerable artists and undervalues music, um, I... I would say that's that's a bit of a, a pot calling the kettle scenario. Mm. I think uh, you know music label three sixty deals and locking artists in to make small percentages on streaming platforms. I'd say that's hurting them a lot more than the possible exposure or the plausible exposure that they would be getting with someone using that same music to you know score a viral video or something. So right. I, I think I think Universal's kind of pointing fingers where you know maybe they shouldn't be uh because it 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 seems like they're in in my opinion they're they're a bit of the bad guys here yeah it's like you didn't get paid enough that's all it is just say it you don't really care (laughs) just say they didn't get you with the number you wanted like Yeah. yeah but which is crazy too to me because it's like you're not getting paid enough from this platform but you make a large the, probably the largest percentage of the money from streaming platforms, from the artist deals, from artist releases and like, you know, PR stunts and, and tours and things like that. And so it's like the label's not, Universal's not like hurting for money when it comes to making money off of these big artists. It's it's the fact that they just didn't like that they couldn't have TikTok's piece of the pie. And I think mm-hmm. to me that's a little greedy. Yeah, it's kind of giving that person in the in the argument or in the negotiation where like they want the power and they don't feel like they have the power and they just want to like kind of like make it suck for everybody until they get the power back, you know? Yeah. It's like that one childhood friend growing up where like they kept losing at the video game and so they like turn the console off because they're like, well I'm not winning. So no one gets to play (laughs) anymore. Yeah. That's kind of my vibe. I hate playing things that I'm not gonna win. (sighs) But um I'm grown now. I'm more reasonable (laughs) about about it. Third story and final story. History was made as the first ever human patient received a Neuralink implant this week. As a quick backstory, Neuralink is working to develop a device that is a brain-computer interface. Currently called telepathy, the implant company started recruiting patients for a clinical trial in the fall after receiving approval from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration and a hospital ethics board. I, I always find language like that interesting, like, a hospital ethics board. Yeah. Like who? Which who is this one? ethics board really? Yeah. Who and is do it? we even believe the U.S. Food the and Drug Administration Music Group hospital and why ethics is board? <laughs> food and Drug Administration approving something like chip that's going in your brain. Like, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I like Food and Drug Administration in the same sentence as neuroscience. Yeah. Exactly. So. <laughs> I feel like this story is bringing up more questions and answers in this context, but we wanted to share it because it's really notable and could be the beginning of a lot of other things. But of course, Elon Musk is involved, if you didn't know that already. And he says the ultimate goal is to achieve a symbiosis with artificial intelligence. But as a starting point, it has a more modest goal to allow paralyzed people to control a cursor or keyboard with their brain. So the impact is placed in the region of the brain that controls movement and tension. And uh, we should hear more about the first patient's progress, 
who recently volunteered and successfully had the plant implanted in their brain. Uh, we should know about more about that in the next several weeks. So I mentioned brings up more questions than answers. I yeah. think I'm curious to hear what you think about some of my thoughts initially are. Um, where does this take us? Because I think the that initial modest goal that was mentioned of helping people that are paralyzed be able to communicate or control a cursor or type using their brain, that's really interesting to me because you're solving a, an, a real problem that certain people have. Mm-hmm. Um, where it gets complicated for me is where it gets introduced into the future for just anyone who wants it. And I think... Um, there's likely other deficits or disabilities that could really benefit from a technology like this as long as it's actually healthy for the people and doesn't cause other problems. But what about for just the general public when this is just a, kind of like a chat GPT for the brain where it's just about doing more things more quickly, easier, but not necessarily a better outcome? Um, I feel like we can all recognize when someone wrote something with chat GPT and it's only been around for, what, a year? Mm-hmm. So... Um, to me, it kind of spells out like laziness and lowest common denominator communication, which just contributes more and more to this whole like, feeling that we're just constantly getting dumber. Yeah. And you kind of see like that's where this is heading if it becomes like a more like kind of generally accessible thing, like outside right. of medical. That's kind of what I wonder. Oh, know? yeah. Because I think yeah. that's how it's going with AI and the tools we have that aren't in our brain. You know, they're on our desktop or on our, our phone or sure. mobile device. It just feels like them. it's kind of watering down things mm-hmm. like writing, for example, or even yeah. like creating images and videos and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and it's also just like kind of strange. A lot of the outputs are strange if you really get into it. It's true. The last question that it brings up for me so far is also like if there's a chip in my brain that I have the ability to use to control like a third party device like a computer for example you know the the doomer in me you, you coined that term earlier I love that but the doomer in me is like if I can control externally through that chip then like is there the ability to override that and have influence over my motor decisions yeah. or like my verbal communication or things like that like at what point are we battling our own space odyssey hal 9000 within our own brains kind <laughs> yeah, of thing you know I mean, like will my life turn into a kubrick film yeah, yeah. exactly um you got to ask those questions i mean i often do just because i love the kubrick aesthetic so i'm like yeah. can my life turn into a kubrick film and like uh, no one wants to be a conspiracy theorist but i feel like like at this stage in the game, we're all conspiracy theorists, and we have to be. That's the thing, I, and and I, you know, I I, th- I think I would give us a bit more credit than just kind of labeling it conspiracy, because yeah. like right now, our hesitation about it seems like mutually, it's kind of being based off of the fact that like it's still really new, and we only have baseline information, you know, and you know, it's really hard to kind of look at the the speed in which tech is growing and will continue to grow and like look at the trajectory and try and figure out where we'll land but i think just given how fast you know chat gpt has become like a mainstay and something like this could easily a year from now become a mainstay it's like i, I think it I, I think we need to validate ourselves a little bit more right. I, I don't think it's conspiracy i think it's i think it's like just critical thinking. Yeah, absolutely. Like it's it we're analyzing something that we like you said have more questions than answers for. So yeah. it's like I think it's important to ask these questions and um you know something like this from a medical perspective like 
yeah, incredible. This is what people have dreamed of accomplishing in science for so, so long in this field. Mm -hmm. But I fear, you know, what's the threshold? Like, what are the utilizations of it? Um, And I don't know, maybe that's a a deeper conversation for another day. But Yeah, and you got to ask, what are the intentions? Which I think you could assume that in this stage, at this like chapter of this thing, um, the intentions might be good totally. to like help someone who's a paraplegic, for example. Mm-hmm. But like, what is the long game? Yeah, it's like these are. This is kind of one of those things where it's like, as much as we want to just sit and let the dust settle and like see what it really looks like, we we kind of have to peek behind the curtain every step of the way to make sure that you know we're we're not losing out on critical information that maybe isn't like being given to us in addition to the big milestones that something like Neuralink is hitting, right? So, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Anyways. Well, on that note, yeah. <laughs> hope you all have a great afternoon. Yeah. Um, now that we've wet your palate, uh, go eat something more substantial. Thanks for joining us. Cheers. Cheers.